0: With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point headman, right to go Kudrow. Score! Patrick Kudrow!
1: Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play holiday weekend. It's Memorial Day, of course. This weekend, uh, it's going to feel like a little bit of a different holiday, I think, because hopefully we're all still doing our best to social distance and everything else we need to do to uh, slow down the spread and hopefully stop the spread of the coronavirus. And that's why we're here on Power Lunch. I'm Eric Rollinson, Alongside Greg Linelli. we got you Covered today with a couple of great interviews we did earlier this week, one with Eric Francis from Sportsnet. That was a really fun interview we had. And then Scott Laughlin uh, will also have that we talked to earlier this week as well. Lots of conversations about the return to play, Greg, as we seem to get closer and closer to this 24-team sort of format with a play-in situation and the top four teams getting a bye. It really feels like we're close to some real news here.
2: Can't wait that to happen when it does i think everybody here will be just elated excited and i actually saw a tweet yesterday it was pretty funny uh and it basically referenced you know some people were upset that under this format the montreal canadians you know would be part of this playoff i'm here to tell you why that's a great idea <laughs> So you can already start to see some of those articles being written to justify the mediocre Canadians in the playoffs. But you know what? That's okay. Uh, It's It's good. That means we're talking about it. Let's go.
1: Well, there's just so much unprecedented about what we've been going through in so many situations. Uh, We've said it since going back to March. It's okay to think outside the box here. You know, it's it's okay to say, okay, the, the Canadians have a chance, even though they realistically didn't have a chance. Uh, but now with Kerry Price, I mean, Carey Price can be the great equalizer against whoever the, the Canadians might get a chance to do that play-in situation uh, against. So... Um, I'm okay with it. I really am okay with it. Uh, it sounds like things are getting closer to that aspect. Another thing we haven't really touched on, we, we've kind of not talked a lot about the draft situation. There's a lot of people that think that this has to be done, this understanding of when to return to play has to be a domino that falls for everything else the league has to do to – you know, move on with some other stuff and the draft being one of them, the draft lottery even just being one of them. So I think once this gets sorted out, we'll start to see some other league news and we'll have some like real aspects and rather than speculation, we'll have something tangible to kind of discuss.
2: Yeah, you feel like the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty big here for the NHL and, you know, whether it's kind of comparing what they're doing compared to some other sports leagues with news starting to trickle out you feel like the nhl's time is coming up here in the next couple of weeks and we'll have a better idea of what they're thinking and the draft will be part of that for sure i think you know hammering down i think some of the details of this playoff a little bit more is going to start to come out and then once we get a better picture of what this is going to look like once play resumes. Then the question becomes, when will play resume? I think everybody's looking at maybe, or at least I am, and I think you are too, August, September is is when we're going to pull this off. But, you know, maybe the league surprises us and does it a little sooner. We'll see.
1: Yeah, and there are some rumblings that potentially players could get back in those small groups maybe uh, at the end of next week as we turn the calendar from May till June. And boy, it's hard to believe we're about to hit June. Uh, it seems uh, been like a, a couple years uh, here just in the last couple of months, but there is some talk about that, and that'll be the quote-unquote process to begin phase two that the league has talked about. Um, but uh, Eric Francis joined us early in the week to talk about a lot of those subjects. He's a tight end, uh, tied in as anybody is uh, in the league, especially when it comes to the Calgary Flames and the Western Conference in particular. He's been based in Calgary for a number of years, but this is a really fun interview that we did with Eric Francis, and you'll hear it right now.
2: Well, let's just ask you right out of the gate, Eric. What do you think happens and what do you think some ideas that have been thrown around that don't happen?
3: Well, I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but all along I've, I've thought that this is a pipe dream. I, I don't believe they're coming back. And, and I know the NHL, it's very prudent for them to, to do whatever they can to try and make this work. I mean, there's a half a billion dollars minimum on the line in terms of TV rights and revenue that these guys want to recoup. Uh, I get that. And, and of course, you know, what? as fans, everybody wants something to watch cheer on, uh, you know, if, if this thing comes back, I mean, there's no live TV right now. It's pretty painful. If you're a sports fan, there's nothing to watch. So it would be great to have that as an outlet for people while they're doing their summer barbecuing and such. Uh, but I, I just, you know, the virus is still there. It's still as powerful as ever. Um, the numbers are diminishing, but it's only because we're socially distancing. I, I just don't know, you know, as, as society starts to open up again, if, you know, we're going to be able to see this come to fruition. And there's so yeah. many roadblocks in a way. And I'll give you an example. You know, our government here in Canada, for example, yesterday, extended, you know, the closed borders. Our prime minister said, we're not opening the border to the U.S. till at least June 21st. Okay, so that means nobody from Europe or the U S can come into Canada for the next month. And then you need two weeks of quarantine in Canada. It's mandatory when you come back in. Uh, and then you have three weeks of training camp, you start doing the math and, and, and all that. And I just don't know if they're going to have enough time to get this, this thing in. I, I may be in the minority in terms of thinking that it's not going to happen. Uh, and there's a whole lot of smoke right now. And there are a lot of ideas. It's just that they all know uh, the GM of the Flames said to me the other day, Hey, We've got some plans and I think we're going to start announcing them as early as this week. But, you know, if we have plans to go camping on the weekend and it rains, we're not going. Same thing. It's raining pretty hard right now. And I don't know how we're going to get around that.
1: Uh, Eric, in regards to the border situation, we had Jay Feaster on yesterday. And of course he mentioned the fact that Calgary has Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk. They're both in the States would have to come back in those certain scenarios. First of all, Aren't essential workers uh, – wouldn't hockey players be considered essential workers in Canada? And second of all, how big of a deal is that?
3: <laughs> I, I love that notion that, that, <laughs> think that anything we do in sports is essential, but it sure as hell isn't. <laughs> um, you know, the, it, it's, sorry, I know you had a two-part question, but I'll just throw i on to the first part. Like, um, It's a very interesting situation because we have universal health care here. People are very, very um, sensitive to what we would call two-tier healthcare, and the idea that players would be able to get, you know, unlimited tests, whereas the public, you know, it's not quite as easy. It's pretty easy to get a test nowadays, but you know, people don't. These players cannot be given preferential treatment in any way. Like if you closing the borders to all sorts of businesses that are way more important than hockey and sports. Uh, but yet you let hockey players and the perception is okay that you know these rich spoiled hockey players come and they can start doing applying their trade while other businesses can't it's a very sensitive topic I can't imagine that they're going to give get special dispensation to come across the border and not quarantine or to come across the border at all just because they can uh, they can shoot the puck really hard I I I don't believe that that would be the case it wouldn't be very popular sure it wouldn't go over very well in Canada.
2: Well, you know, it is interesting, Eric, that you brought up, you know, in Canada and and how you feel, because I I feel like, you know, I I follow a lot of writers and and TV hosts from Canada just as part of the job, just kind of getting a feel for what they're saying. And I I do feel a lot of them are are in your boat that they don't think it's going to happen, whereas maybe here in the States, you know, we have uh, governors uh, basically in, in certain states that have said, hey, we're open for business, come on down. Uh, we're gonna take all the precautions. Now look, it, it could be we're just two different countries from that standpoint and, and testing may be more available here than there, although I think everybody at this point is getting the testing they need. What do you do you get the sense in terms of businesses in Canada? I'm, I'm curious from an economic standpoint how devastating this virus has been from that from that perspective The people do want to kind of get back out and, and risk it a little bit? or do you feel like people would rather stay home and, and wait till a vaccine? Is coming.
3: Well, I, I think you know all this talk of, of hockey coming back. I think it's all predicated on the notion that there would be no fans in the stands. Like I, I, I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that there won't be fans in the stands. Just say this summer hockey pipe dream doesn't even come to fruition, and they're looking at opening camp again as normal next year in October or this year in October, and uh, you know September and October. There, in my mind, there's zero chance that the fans will be in the stands in October. Um, and, and even if they were to allow that, uh, they'd have to do it, you know, where every third seat would be occupied or something like that. And I don't even know what the pension would be for people to go and sit in a crowd of 17,000 people anytime soon uh, without a vaccine uh, out there distributed and administered. Um, I think we're a, a long ways away, you know, a couple of years away from fans getting into the stands again. Again, I may be wrong. And I, I hate to sound like a doomsdayer, but I, that's the way I feel. Obviously, in terms of economics, you know, um, we're, we're feeling it every bit as, as much as everywhere in the States. You know, the economics of this is just killing everybody, not to mention the tax burden, you know, that the government is now undertaking and we're all going to have to pay for this. And our kids and our grandkids are going to have to pay for this with all the handouts being given out uh, by the government. But, you um, know, Alberta in particular, we've, we were also getting a double whammy because the oil and gas business is completely devastated as well right now. So yes, we would love any sort of economic starter. Uh, but I don't see allowing NHL players into our, into our province or our city as an economic starter. I mean, sure the hotel adjacent to the Edmonton's arena would be full for a couple months and that would be great. And some of the restaurants would also and catering services would, you know, would be busy, but outside and, and every bit helps um, our premier was pushing very hard to try and get the NHL to come to Edmonton as part of this, um, but I'm not sure that that's the kind of economic starters. I mean, that's a start, but it's it's not a huge thing because there would be no fans in the stands.
1: Eric Francis from Sportsnet.ca, join us here, senior writer for Sportsnet, and. Eric, if memory serves me correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't the flames because you mentioned that the backlash from the public there might be if hockey players got tests ahead of the general public? Wasn't there a situation with with the H1N1 a number of years back where it came out that the Flames players were actually got the vaccine ahead of some of the public?
3: Yeah, and that's where I speak of how sensitive a topic this is. Uh, this was 11 years ago when the H1N1 came out, and it was different. Uh, you know, they had a vaccine. Uh, but it was in short supply and people in, you know, Canada's free for everybody, of course. So uh, people were lining up two, three hours and places were running out of it. And so high demand, low supply, and there was a little bit of panic going on, not like now, but, um, and and meanwhile, the flames on day one of the uh, vaccine being allowed, uh, being handed out, they set up their own private clinic. Every player and staffer got the uh, the, the shots and, and they went on their merry way. It was such a big deal in this country that they opened a provincial inquiry into it to find out how you know they were able to skip ahead of the line. Now, the flames defended themselves by saying, we couldn't have players standing in line. you know security wise, it would have been a a zoo with people wanting autographs and photos and everything. I don't know how how that defense went over. Um, but at the end of the day, that that was considered two-tier health care to a lot of people, and that's a no-no in our country. Um, not not in everyone's mind, but in, in a lot of people's minds. So, yeah, that's a very sensitive topic. And uh, someone suggested that some of these sports, you know, if if they had to buy endless amounts of tests for these players to open these hubs and, and get the plane going again, they would buy X amount of tests. But then they would also buy X amount for the public and help defray some of the costs for the government as well as as a goodwill gesture. I could see that happening too. But hey, all this said, guys, like there's a chance that Canada would just be excluded. If their borders are going to remain closed and the the United States are saying, Hey, you can fly in from Europe and Canada and not quarantine. Um, then then there's a better chance that these hubs will all be played down in the U S as opposed to Canada. So I, I leave that possibility open. And I know there are a lot of governors and, and mayors that are there would love to have something like this. Um, and I don't blame them. Um, but, but, uh, you know, right now I think they'd love to have one in Canada. Edmonton would be the perfect place if you're going to do it in Canada. And as a Calgarian, that hurts me to say, because we have quite a rivalry going on with them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Eric, when play does resume, let's assume it does. I I know you're more pessimistic than maybe I am or Ian. If they were to cancel things, I don't think we'd be completely shocked. But it it sounds like just the tea leaves we're we're seeing from some of these meetings that they want to try and and get it in this year. And then, you know, if they delay the start of next season, so be it. But I'm curious when it does start, what's going to be the biggest issue you think for the players? Does it, being off the ice for an extended period of time? Is it going to be the ice in general or playing in empty arenas?
3: Those are all great points. Like I'll add another one in there is just the game itself. I mean, our guys going to be hesitant to get into a scrum after a whistle and, and not socially distance I, when you're playing the game? Trust, you know, these guys aren't going to be thinking about staying a hockey stick away from one another or anything like that. I know that. And the idea would be that they'd all be tested and, 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 and be cleared to play and not worry about transmitting the disease back and forth. But I still wonder if, you know, even while they're in the dressing room or while they're, they're hanging out, uh, if these guys are just real hesitant to, to kind of be close to one another after the last, you know, three months of, of socially distancing. I, I don't know. But, yeah, these guys have been on the uh, – there's no chance that there's a single NHL player in my mind – who's been off the ice this long in their life since age five or six. These guys these guys are always on the ice. So getting their feet back under them literally is gonna be interesting for them. They, the, the PA is saying they need at least three weeks for training camp to kind of get back into game shape. I think it'll take longer than that, but others think it'll take shorter time because these guys are staying in good shape off the ice as well. Um, no fans in the stands. That's gonna be bizarre for all of us. You know, do they pipe in crowd noise? Or, or, or at times do they pipe in crowd noise or music or the organ? Or do we just hear them swearing and yelling at each other? I don't know. <laughs> it's good. People are going to be tuning in like crazy, though. I think it'll be a ratings bonanza because people will be fascinated to see what it looks and sounds like. Um, but, yeah, I think all that will have to be adjusted. I think by the time, if you get it in and you play in the Stanley Cup final, by the time you get to the final, the guys will still be competing just as hard and considering this just as serious as, as they would Under normal circumstances, but man, I can't imagine there wouldn't be an emptiness to winning the cup or scoring huge goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs and only having 20 people cheer for you at that time. It's weird as opposed to 20,000. That's going to be the most bizarre thing for me and maybe for the players as well.
1: Well, I don't know if you caught any of the Bundesliga action, here. I don't know if you're a soccer fan, but I was watching that over the weekend, and that was one thing that I missed from that experience was, you know, the buildup to a goal or even the, the, a scoring chance in soccer. You know, there's those oohs and ahs. There's none of that. Yeah. That was definitely a weird experience. I would want to have – I think I would want to have something piped in just to, I, I mean, it's a new normal. Everything's going to be a new normal when we get on the other side of this for sure. But that was something that really kind of caught my ear – Uh, Trying to watch the experience on television, uh, you know, in in the Bundesliga and and kind of watching that action. But along those lines, depending on what format, what scenarios they come out with, there's a pretty good chance Edmonton and Calgary could meet in a postseason matchup in this whatever format they come up with would that take some of the bite out of it? We saw that rise up a little bit this year with uh, a couple of the games between the two teams. If they had to play that game, say, in Vegas or that series in Vegas without fans, would that take some of the bite out of that building, uh, rebuilding of that rivalry?
3: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, hey, I was at all those games this year when all that craziness was going on that the whole league was watching with Kachuk and and uh, Cassian and, and and the goalie fights, and and hey... The crowd plays a role in that, in building the tension, building the anger, the frustration. Every time Kachuk hit the ice, everyone's going crazy in Edmonton. You know, every time Cassian touches the puck here in Calgary, everyone's losing their mind, you know. And then that just builds and pumps up the temperature of the game and leads to fights, you know. When Matthew Kachuk decided to drop the gloves and end this, uh, you know, all the speculation and all the controversy over whether he'd ever fight Zach Cassian, you know. I remember the moment, and it was just seconds before. You could hear the crowd. They could sense it was coming, and then they started freaking out, and then, boom, they dropped the gloves. I'm sure they were going to drop the gloves anyway, but I still think that helped prompt that action. And the goalie fight, same thing. The crowd's going crazy because everybody's grabbing somebody on the ice, and they see the other, you know, Mike Smith come to center ice, and then Cam Talbot sees it. The crowd goes wild, like the crowd plays a huge role in that. Hey, I still think there could be vitriol. I still think there could be antics and all sorts of storylines. And, and I still think that the battle can continue to rise in Alberta, for example. But uh, it's it's there's going to be a massive piece of that missing without, you know, a raucous crowd, you know, providing the backdrop. And, you know, going back to what you said about the Bundesliga, and I didn't watch it, but I've been reading everything about any of these sports that are coming back or trying to come back, you know, baseball and the, all their rules, like no spitting. Can you imagine hockey without spitting? I mean, it doesn't doesn't. <laughs> never never heard of that. Um, you know, the Korean soccer league was kind of the first pro league to come back last week or two weeks ago, and they piped in crowd chants. You know, like soccer stadiums often or have. Um, they piped in the chants and the singing at times, but not the whole time. Um, it's different in hockey because people don't chant in North America or sing. Uh, so I I don't know if they would intersperse the game with stuff like that, or if that would be weird. I do know one thing that's the the camera angles would be fantastic. One of the things they're talking about is the flyby camera that we used to see in the XFL where the camera goes right across the top of the action that wasn't capable. You couldn't do that in the NHL because of the scoreboards, but now you won't need the scoreboards so you, they're going to lift the scoreboards up to the ceiling potentially and use these flyby cameras so that there's camera work over top of the players, which would provide another cool angle. So th- some good things are going to come out of this. Not a lot, but some anyway.
2: Eric Francis joining us here on Lighting Power Play, talking about the league and uh, when the NHL may or may not come back. I'm curious, Eric, when you take a look at this pandemic, uh, the, the numbers certainly aren't indicating it was gonna be as devastating as some people projected, clearly not as devastating as the flu, which is something that happens year round, obviously, and, and can be pretty devastating to the the elderly, especially. What, what do you think has people cause for concern when it comes to this specific virus? Is it just quite simply put, we don't know, we don't have a vaccine for it? Or do you feel like the hysteria we've gotten from, certain media outlets has caused a lot of people to really just stay home and shut it down completely.
3: Well, I I think that people over the age of 50 or 60 anyway, you know, and I'm, uh, I think that, that they're worried that they could die from this. And I know you can die from the the common flu too, but, uh, I think that, and and whether that's the product of the media or all the, uh, health officials that have scared us all into thinking this way, but it it can be a death sentence for people who are over age 60. um, And and that is terrifying for people. And I don't blame anyone for doing anything they can to avoid uh, any situation where they could straight up die from this thing. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. It's not been as devastating as they want because people I think have done a good job, you know, protecting themselves in for the most part, but, uh, Ultimately, I don't think anybody ever thinks that you're going to die from the flu. But when they think about being on a ventilator and the potential of dying from this highly transmittable disease, and that's the other thing, this is far more transmittable than the regular flu. Uh, and that, that, that terrifies people. So I think that's why people have reacted the way they have and why we're in a situation where we are right now. It, 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 I think a lot of people thought it was going to be worse because of the warnings and the, all the information we were given via the health people and the media. But at the end of the day, um, I'm glad it hasn't come to fruition like it has. But the threat is always there. The threat is always there, and it will be until we get a vaccine.
1: Yeah, it's all about educating yourself, right, and understanding the information that's being presented to you and and take the... precautions that you need to i think that's a big reason why the numbers never got to that projection Uh, eric i am curious you mentioned whether or not you'll be at a college cottage this summer or at a pod this summer maybe covering would you personally as a member of the media have any reservations about going to one of these potential pod cities and and covering an event for you know what could be six to eight weeks
3: yeah i would because i don't want to be in edmonton for two months i'm just kidding (laughs) that's uh, that's the albertan in me uh just having fun uh no, I, and I, I thought that one of the most fascinating comments from the players, and we've seen much more open, honest comments from players throughout this. That's another silver lining in all this. I think people have just let their guard down and some of the interviews have been great, but, uh, was it Philip Deneau, uh, who said, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's cruel and unusual punishment to take someone away from their family for two full months to go play in these pods cities. And, um, I don't disagree with them. I mean yes, if you're in the playoffs and throughout the season you're traveling a lot, but half the time you're home because half your games are at home. Uh, this would be no home games for two or three months. and I'm not keen on that. Uh, I'm fascinated to know if they'd even let me in the building. I, I work for the rights holder, the, the TV broadcast rights holder. I do the broadcasts. I would assume I wouldn't be doing the broadcasts in the studio in the stage uh, in the stadium. I don't know if they'd let me in as a columnist either even if there are just four or five of us up in the press box, I have a feeling I'm covering this from my cottage or from my house on TV. Um, These are all fascinating questions that I've been asking and wondering, you know, in terms of, will I see my family this summer or not? Uh, But I'm certainly not keen on the idea of, of going away for two months and leaving my family. I don't know who would be keen on something like that. I guess your question is more about safety. Uh, I do have full confidence that if the NHL thinks this is safe and in, in, you know, in concert with health officials that I would be put in a, in a, in a safe environment. I'm not thrilled about being in a hotel room at all anytime soon, but if I know I'm going to be there for two months, day one, when I go in there, I'll go in with four bottles of wipes, wipe the whole place down. I think I'd feel a whole lot more comfortable with it then. So I think they'd be able to keep us in a bubble and protect us. I'm pretty confident about that. I just don't want to leave my family.
1: Well, you know, I, I don't know how, how it is in your household, but my wife might be ready for me to leave for two months.
3: <laughs> I can't a blame her. fair comment, and I, I, I don't think you're alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good
2: point. E. That's a good point. Eric Francis joining us here on the show. Well, I think to that extent, Eric, I mean, I think it's it's a legitimate point. I mean, we were talking about this before the show. I mean, our broadcaster's... Going to be at their house. You know, you're going to have one set of broadcasters doing all the games and having the media members maybe covering it from their homes. I think that's going to be interesting. But how about the players? Because if the league does come back, obviously you would feel like they just got the consent of the players to honor their contracts. But I am wondering, because those guys are human beings, what if some of the players refuse to play, especially ones that are in contention for a playoff spot who, or are in the playoffs? Are we talking about lawsuits now that the NHL is going to have to look at? Or do you feel like this is all going to be ironed out before they come back?
3: Okay, I think that's a, uh, an interesting question. and it's, You know, I do think that there are a number of players who think this is ridiculous that they're talking about coming back. I don't think they'd ever share that publicly, though. Uh, I think that hockey is one of these leagues where you're supposed to be beige at all times, never rock the boat. Don't say anything to upset the apple cart and, uh, and uh, to the detriment of the sport, I think, by the way. Uh, And I I think that these guys would be very hesitant to go public and say, look, quite frankly, I'm scared. Or my wife doesn't want me to go and sit in a hotel room in a foreign city for two months uh, and risk the possibility of of me getting sick and then potentially transmitting it to other people or my family down the road. I I don't, I, I think people are, are looking at this rationally. I think players understand, you know what, an important part in all this, they've already been paid. So they don't get any more money to go and do the playoffs. Um, not that that's the big motivator. I don't doubt for a second all these guys want a chance to go and win this Stanley Cup. I guarantee you, all the teams that have nothing to play for, if they did try to play those last handful of preseason or regular season games, all those guys must hate this possibility of coming back. And I think the NHL's kind of eliminated that now, saying, they would just go with probably 24 teams that are in contention and start a playoff sort of format. Uh, I I, don't foresee a single player missing out on the action because he just doesn't feel it's safe. He's well within his right to do that, and if he tried to you know, sit it out, there's no way a team could sue him. I mean, if you don't feel safe, you don't feel safe, and that would be your ultimate defense. But uh, I'd be surprised if that happened, but I also would – uh, I think it's a very realistic thing to think that every guy is having conversations with his family going, do you think I should go? Or do you think we should seriously push back on this? And the PA should be representing all those players who are sharing those those fears.
1: Well, then that brings up the interesting point when they get to a situation to where they have a proposal, they want to put it forth to the NHLPA. Is it just the 31 reps or does it open it up to the entire voting pool for the Players Association? I'll be interested to see how the PA – deals uh with with that one um you know I I guess the one thing you know if there's no fans in the stands you talked about the the television and what we might hear I I think we're robbed of the opportunity to hear Matthew Kachuk and Drew Dowdy go back and forth together is that that fair
3: (laughs) exactly it's uh there are a lot of things that I miss uh from the season already and that's one of them that was a great rivalry and Kachuk seems to be in the middle of a lot of those things. It's funny, I was on a conference call the other day with Kachuk and he was talking to a bunch of season ticket holders and they asked him, you know, who who do you kind of miss or who do you miss mixing it up with or who's on your list of guys you don't like sort of thing. And he basically said, I think it's pretty obvious who's on my list and who isn't. And uh, the list of who isn't is probably... A, uh, a shorter list than the list of who's on it. So he's he's uh, done a good job making sure that he's one of the more hated players in the National Hockey League. And that's entertaining. I, I think the guy's great for the game. Eric,
2: last question on my end. Eric Francis joining us here on Power Lunch. What becomes, I know it gets overused, this word, the new norm for the NHL once play does resume? We know in the short run there's going to be some changes because there have to be. But long-term, do you think there's anything the league adapts that they do early on that ends up being more permanent?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, nothing comes to mind, but I, I, like, I'm just thinking about the stadium, you know, for the fans and, you know, the, the plexiglass between vendors and, and patrons. And, um, you know, I, I, it's funny. I'm a season ticket holder on the side as well. I just organize it for a bunch of my friends and, I'm, uh, I'm contemplating, you know, like, I don't know how anyone's going to get rid of their tickets or I think ticket sales are going to be so hard. Um, You know, especially initially when crowds are allowed back in the stadium, because people are still going to be a little hesitant to be in in crowd situations, but you know, it'll take a long time. I think for people to be comfortable with sitting with 18,000 people and mixing in a crowd like that in the concourse and such. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer in terms of specifics, but I do think that things will be introduced here in terms of, you know, uh, cleanliness. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, play- if the media is never allowed in the dressing rooms ever again. That-, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think they would love that anyway. The players would certainly love that. They don't like us in there. Um, I think you could see that being one small example of protocols that would change. And they would say, yeah, we'll bring all the players out one by one if you want them uh, out to an area. And maybe you stand a couple feet away from them whatever the case may be, put them behind a podium, but they're not. you're not allowed in our, our dressing room, I think they'd limit traffic in the dressing room for sure as a starter uh, for a long, long time, if not forever. So that's just one of the examples. It's a good question. I'm going to think about that too because things that are introduced at the beginning, we'll, we'll all be curious to see if they if they stick around long term.
1: Well, certainly, Eric, I hope that they, uh, the locker room access remains the same. I think the fans are the ones that end up getting hurt uh, and that's sort of a scenario because we are the conduit between the two, uh, you know, for the number of years that I was on the newspaper side, to tell those stories. And, and you know, you, you can't get that without the one-on-one time, and you're not going to get that with these Zoom calls and exactly. everything else. So I, I, hope that, I hope that's not a new normal on the other side. Uh, last question for you, Eric. Eric Francis from sportsnet.ca. Uh, can't let you go without asking this question. It's coming up on the 16-year anniversary of Game 7 between Tampa Bay and Calgary in the Stanley Cup Final. If I were to walk down the Red Mile – and say the name Marty Jelena, what kind of reaction would I get?
3: (laughs) He's a hero in this city. You know, he's still an assistant coach here in Calgary. And uh, I would submit to you that if you asked fans, you know, who's your favorite flame of of all time, uh, he'd certainly be on that top ten list, maybe top five, you know, given the generation that just watched him. Uh, You know, he scored the game winner in all three rounds leading up to the final and then arguably uh, scored the game winner uh in game 6 against Hobby <laughs> bull and it's funny i have a photo of that uh i'm staring at it right now here in my office of jelena uh, crashing the crease the puck sure looks like it's over the line to me um but they didn't video review it and it's funny i, I still wonder you guys could tell me like eric you covered that too and like uh, do people in tampa bay think that they dodged a bill of a, a bit of a bullet and that maybe they You know, Flames should have won game six, or is that not even an issue? I'm guessing that people in Tampa Bay, what are you talking about? We won the cup fair and square in game seven. Um, That wasn't a goal in game six. I don't even know if some people in Tampa know what I'm talking about, or is it that prevalent?
1: I I think at the time, Maybe 16, 15 years ago, it was something that might have been talked about. But now, all anybody remembers is Marty St. Louis' double overtime goal and Roussan Fedotenko's two goals in game seven. Like, yeah. if, if you brought that up to a, to a fan who maybe wasn't around or wasn't paying attention to the team back then, and, and you mentioned Marty Jelen on the skate, they probably wouldn't know what I was talking
3: about. It's funny because last time we were in Tampa, just before the, the, the league shut down, I saw a guy in a Flames jersey in your building there, and on the back it said it was in and uh <laughs> and the number on the jersey was 04. and everyone in calgary knows exactly what that refers to uh you know the goal the goal that wasn't even reviewed um you know in game six that that might have won the flames the cup but you're right I, I i i it's interesting to hear i doubt anyone in tampa bay thinks about it. at the end of the day nobody thinks about all the minutiae of a series uh, except for who wins it at the end, I think people there probably remember the fight between Aginla and LeCavalier, too. That was pretty oh, yeah. monumental.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's plenty of pictures, uh, even still in the lining locker room, you know, of that fight and uh, remembrance of that time. All right. Again,
2: thanks to Eric Francis from Sportsnet. We have another great guest coming up in our next segment. We had Scott Lachlan from SiriusXM NHR Radio on the show yesterday. We wanted to replay that for you. When we return, it's the Power Lunch. I'm Greg Linelli. He's Eric Erlinson right here on Lightning Power Play.
0: Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson are the perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
1: All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I'm Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Lanelli, again, hope you enjoyed that interview with Eric Francis. A lot of fun, Uh, some good laughs in that, and uh, Lord knows we could use some laughs nowadays uh, as we kind of try and find our way through this. But uh, as we've been talking about on the show the last couple of days, uh, hockey might be on the horizon, Uh, hockey might be in our future, Uh, hopefully very soon. Could be July, could be August, but that's kind of the time frame, even though the league hasn't said anything in particular about that. Uh, out there. But one thing we do know, there will be a 2020-21 training camp for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Might be October, might be November, might be December. But you have a chance to skate with the Lightning during training camp. If you go into the all-in challenge, you will sign, there's a bidding process, you will sign a professional tryout contract with the Tampa Bay Lightning. You will sit at a press conference with Lightning General Manager Julian Breezeball, lace them up, Go out on the ice and skate with the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's your opportunity. The bidding on that ends tonight. So if you have any interest whatsoever in the All-In Challenge, it's up. Go to allinchallenge.com, search for Tampa Bay Lightning, and you could skate with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Greg, you up for that?
2: I'll watch it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting on the
1: ice. Come on. I know, my, I know my place. There's no Uncle Rico here. If I could skate backwards and I was about 20 years younger, I might be okay, but Uh, maybe maybe 25 years younger. Blisters. Yeah, that means, yeah. Well, a little bit more because you're old. Please do not try and do the math on that. No, I don't want to. I stopped doing math. With quarantine. (laughs) I stopped doing math as soon as I got out of college. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually
2: pretty smart. But
1: you're good with numbers, though. You are good with numbers. Look, if it's goals against average, I can figure that out. If it's save yeah. percentage, I got that. Ask me to do my taxes, forget about it. That's well, why you I pay somebody, somebody to do, to do my you. taxes. That's right. Have somebody that's else. I I,
2: look, I've always said, you know, you don't have to know everything. You have to know people who know
1: everything. That's right. And I think what... that, that makes it easier. It's the old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Absolutely. I don't know numbers that well, but I know somebody who does. Yeah. So I mean, that's just as good. Just I write out a check that has numbers on it for them, and then they do that that work <laughs> well, for me. Well, your checks so. are big. Um, not so much. No, no, not so much. But that's okay. That's yeah. okay. We have fun. I'm in the same. We way. have fun. We get to cover hockey. There's uh not much I would rather do <laughs> than that. So. All right, let's listen to our interview that we had with Scott Lachlan from Sirius XM NHL Radio earlier in this week. Uh, again, he's in the Toronto market and uh, talks to a lot of people. His show that he does with Gord Stella called Morning Skate uh, airs, I think, from 7 to 11 or 7 to 10 uh, weekdays uh, on Sirius XM NHL Radio. A lot of guests that he gets, so he has a lot of really good insight in talking to people who know what's going on around the league. So this was Scotty Lachlan from earlier this week from Sirius XM. You're listening to it right here on Liney Power Play.
2: Let's switch gears a bit here, and let's talk about maybe some things we're starting to figure out. Report came out uh, yesterday. I know you talked about it today. NHL looks like return to play plan focused on a 2014 playoff, which would um, be very interesting. A little maybe thinking outside the box. It's pretty clear before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of that type of proposal, Scott, that the league does want to try and figure out how to get this season in. And you know, keep the integrity of the league, so to speak, in play?
0: Yeah, I think there are a bunch of different components to this too, Greg. I mean, let's face it, I mean, there is a financial economic component to it in terms of what this means for revenue for the players and for the league itself. Uh, I also think certainly there is that integrity component where, you know, if you can avoid it, you, you want to avoid uh, having happened what happened before, and that is going without the presentation of the Stanley Cup and such, especially when you've gone – you know, 85% of the way into your season, you'd like to find some way to put a an exclamation mark on it in whatever way, shape or form it looks like it's going to be coming back in. So I think it means a lot for the league to come back and, and to do it. I think the league's helped out by the fact that the Olympics have been canceled uh, and that happened a while back. And You know, that's left a a little bit of a vacancy as far as what the NBC Sports broadcasting schedule is going to look like throughout the summer, too. So maybe an opportunity there for the National Hockey League to take advantage of that and perhaps a few more eyeballs on the screens and a couple of more ears on the radios and such as we go forward. So I'm excited about it. Again, it's different. I mean, just watching Bundesliga soccer last uh, weekend and watching the NASCAR race from Darlington on Sunday, I mean, It was surreal to watch it play out the way that it did. And to see Kevin Harvick went on Sunday and jump out of the car and and have nobody really to celebrate with was different. You know, to see players after goals, maybe just doing a little bit of a fist bump or, you know, uh, maybe banging cleats with the officials after a match. That's a little bit different. It's not the same sort of celebration. You don't have that fan motivation behind you or what have you. So uh, it's completely different. No question about it. But. I think at this point, given what we've endured here and everybody's endured for the past three months or so, I think it's something that we'd be willing to embrace.
1: Scott, already a lot of debate uh, out there about this format that they come up with. Uh, We've talked about it. I don't think there's any way you can say it's 100 percent fair for everybody. But a lot of people think that uh, this will be an asterisk type situation uh, when a Stanley Cup crown uh, champion is crowned. Uh, any thoughts on that? Do you, is this a legitimate tournament, or is there going to be an asterisk placed on this?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I've been I've been doing a lot of thinking about that, Eric, and and I I don't think I'm going to put an asterisk on this season. I mean, I didn't put an asterisk on the fact that the Devils won the Cup back in 1995. You know, the first thing that I think of when I think about the Devils sweeping away the high-powered Red Wings, the heavily favored Red Wings in the Stanley Cup Final in 1995, is not the fact that it was a a work stoppage season. It wasn't the fact that they played 48 games during the regular campaign. So I've got to put an asterisk beside it. Uh, I, I think that the, the, the calendar year 2020 in the annals of history is going to go down with an obvious asterisk beside it with all that we've endured and, you know, the most important priorities, of course, in life coming into perspective. I think as far as the NHL season goes, though, guys, I mean, I'm not going to put an asterisk beside it. Uh, Because I think that everybody knows what we're up against here going into it. You know, there's going to be a 24-team tournament, it sounds like and looks like. And everybody's going to be starting from the same starting point. There are going to be some teams that, you know, are going to have, by virtue of their regular season success through the first 85% of the schedule, maybe a bit of a running head start on all the other competitors out there. Uh, But I think that we all know going in what this is going to entail. And so may the best team win. I think that you're going to have for the most part, and that includes Tampa Bay with Stamkos returning uh, and perhaps some others uh, when it comes to full health. I, I think you're going to have teams being relatively healthy, top to bottom. There will be the exceptions like a Josh Anderson with the Columbus Blue Jackets who had the shoulder surgery that's going to, make uh, him unavailable for a team like the Jackets. And that's going to hurt for sure. But for the most part, everybody's starting from the same starting point at the same starting line. And I think most teams are going to come back relatively healthy, as close to 100% as you could possibly get at this point for sure. And I think because of all that, I think it will be a a fair and credible race. And I think it's going to involve a whole lot of integrity. And I think 20 or 30 years from now, I'll look at 2020 a lot differently in the annals of history. Uh, but I'm not necessarily going to think, oh, yeah, 2020, you know, when so-and-so won the Stanley Cup, that's the, got an asterisk beside it because I think everybody's starting knowing what the, the guidelines are going to be going in and may the best team win.
2: Scott Lachlan from Sirius NHL Radio joins us here on the Power Lunch. Scott, a lot was made about playing out the rest of the regular season because of the financial impact that would have on all teams. The fact the league would possibly bypass the regular season and go straight to the playoffs – What does that tell you, if anything, regarding the league's thinking about where to pick up play after this pause?
0: Yeah, interesting. We've heard about regional TV commitments and such, even for teams like Chicago and Montreal, that normally otherwise would have been on the outside looking in uh, come playoff time. And let's not lose sight of the fact that Montreal and Chicago are two huge markets uh, in North America, as far as the hockey audiences are concerned. Uh, I think they had to have the cutoff somewhere, I think, Greg. And, you know, they, they went to 24. I mean... Didn't we hear as recently as like a month ago they could have some sort of an NCAA March Madness type style tournament where all 31 teams get in and you're thinking, well, could Detroit actually win a game or two along the way? And, you know, what would that mean in terms of draft position and so on and so forth? I think thankfully we don't have to deal with that. Uh, they decided, look, 24 seems to be the way to go. I like the fact that these are essentially sort of three out of five sort of round robin uh, type, you know, 6-11 uh, type matchups, five versus 12 type matchups. Uh, and then the winner goes on to face you know teams like the Lightning in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs and such too. So uh, I think there's a lot going on here. My big question too is for the teams that have the first round buys, while these first round series are going on, what are the four teams in the East and West going to be doing in the meantime? Are they playing for a possible reseeding come the second round of the playoffs? Uh, what what are they playing for? Are they are they playing games while the first round playoff series are going on? Where Maybe they can add to the regular season point totals. I'll be very intrigued to, to find out exactly what it means to the teams in the East and the West that have the quote-unquote buys in the first round of the playoffs because it is a reward to get a buy. It's supposed to be a reward. But if you're kind of sitting stagnant while the other teams are playing three, four, possibly even five games to get back into the swing of things, how much of a disadvantage would that leave uh, a team that's got that first round by if they were just sitting idly by waiting for that team to come in. So I think that, you know, if you've got to buy, you've, you've, you've got to find some way somehow to allow those teams to play to be competitive, to have that edge that teams clearly playing in the first round would have.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, we just had Alex Kaloran on a conference call here down with the local media, and that's what he said. He said that's the one concern he has with this format is what happens to the teams that have a bye. And, of course, Tampa Bay would be one of those teams that does have the bye. And, you know, he would be concerned about what they're doing to try and, you know, face a team that's already played maybe a best of five series. Maybe they've already played five games, you know, in a best of five scenario. So that is his one concern. Uh, I want to ask you this, though, Scott. Um, summer is a time when Canadians get outside. They're enjoying the outdoors because you're trapped sometimes with with the winters that you have up there would would the would the zest for hockey be there in august july august does it you know at, at months that you know up there where you guys are usually tended enjoying the outsides or enjoying concerts or whatever uh would would the ratings be a, a factor do you think they'd take any kind of hit or are people just so hungry to get it back that they'd be tuned in
0: Yeah, I think for the most part, the ratings would be what they would normally be, uh, which is good. Um, I think that you're right. Canadians do like to venture north a little bit, get up the cottage country and such and sit down at the lake and, you know, have the odd beverage or two and have a barbecue and the whole bit. So uh, I I could just see sitting around a campfire in July and August watching the Stanley Cup playoffs becoming quite a thing. Um, I mean, I'm certainly from what I do and my perspective, not going anywhere this summer. uh, The last couple of years, I've come down to your neck of the woods down there, guys, as you might remember. And. I've been at Disney World in Orlando for four straight summers. That will not be happening this time around. And first and foremost, it's because I'm going to be busy. There's no question about it. So I'm fully prepared for that. As far as what Canadians are going to be into, yeah, I think they're going to be engrossed in this. Uh, I don't know that the the number will be as high as it normally would be, you know, for, let's say, series in April, May, and even into June. Because, yeah, there are going to be some that have different priorities, and we're are going to want to just get away and, and sort of live real life out there, if you will. Uh, But I think for the most part, I think most Canadians would be into it. And if in some way, shape, or form they could get to the cottage and have the game on the television or on the radio at the same time, it would certainly, I think, uh, indicate that it would be the best of both worlds.
2: Scott Lachlan joining us here on the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Scott, are games going to be played in Canada? And we know about the border being closed, but we also know how important hockey is in Canada. How big of a deal is it to have games up north, once play resumes or is that one of the sacrifices, you know, the league's going to have to make once play does resume to get into some of these hub cities.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably a sacrifice that I think everybody realizes that they might have to make. I mean, Toronto has thrown its hat in the ring uh, to host uh, games, but I don't necessarily know they're at the front of the line. Uh, You guys might've heard Elliot Friedman earlier today said on our show that he thinks that he'd be shocked if Vegas is not one of the hubs that they come up with. So, if you're speaking for Vegas in the West, you know, maybe that rules at Edmonton. Edmonton has been banging the drum loudly from Alberta the last couple of weeks, guys, to, to really host the NHL and to be one of the possible hubs. And if you're only going with two, you certainly can't see them going Vegas and Edmonton because you'd want to have an Eastern component, too, uh, for television and such. So uh, I think maybe Carolina makes a little bit more sense. I've heard the Florida situation with the Panthers down there in South Florida might make some sense as well. Uh, I don't think Toronto's probably going to get what it wants. And I think that, you know, the, the, the concern that they've had here in terms of the borders being closed and the prime minister of Canada said a couple of days ago that that's going to be the case right through June 21st. I don't necessarily know that people are concerned about that because I think what they would assume in the end is that you know, working with the politicians and the powers that be, the NHL players, athletes in general, would have the the wherewithal to go back and forth between the countries if they, they had to do that. But uh, I, I think that at this point, it, it feels like if you're going with Vegas for sure, uh, then you'd want an Eastern uh, time zone component to it. And I mean, Don Waddell was on with us a couple of weeks ago, and, and he said that Raleigh's got everything that you'd need uh, to host the NHL and to be one of the hubs with all the practice rinks that they've got. Uh, with all that they've got in terms of hotels that are near the arena, the PNC arena there. And again, I've heard South Florida also could offer up a component that the National Hockey League would be interested in, too. So uh, to answer your question, I think this is one of those those cases right now, I think, Greg, where you'd have to say you got to do what's right for hockey, not just necessarily what's right for Canadian hockey.
1: Scott, I asked Eric Francis this question yesterday, but would hockey players not be considered essential workers in Canada?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think that would be uh, that w- that would be something that, that, that would be uh, would be considered for sure. Uh, that would seem to make sense because essential workers for an essential sport that people essentially depend on. Uh, you're right. I think that could be called into question. And and look, if you're going to have wrestling down in Florida, you sure as that could have hockey uh, in the United States and hockey in Canada as well, and give them the the, the 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 lay of the land in terms of what they can they can do with their with their livelihoods as well.
2: Scott Lachlan, joining us here on Power Lunch. You know, Scott, it's interesting when we talk about the biggest challenges the league will face when play resumes. How about specifically for the players in your eyes? It sounds like they'll get a training camp, and it sounds like it won't take them that long, hopefully, to get in game shape. But not playing in front of a crowd, I think, has to be a huge issue for a lot of players. But if you want to say not being on skates for a long time, that also could factor into all of this. I mean, what is the biggest challenge you think the players will face once they do come back?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a battle of attrition once they come back. I mean, that's why we're hearing about perhaps squads uh, totaling about 30. I mean, God forbid you don't want to have somebody test positive, but it it very likely could happen uh, to a player or two along the way, and then you've got to reach down deep into your depth chart. And we know, guys, when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's often a battle of attrition anyway. It's a two-month marathon if you want to go on and win the Stanley Cup, as we know. And by the end of it, guys can, can hardly stand. I mean, there are guys playing without ligaments in their knees. Uh, there are guys being shot up before games just to be out there and play just so they could possibly win the Stanley Cup. Guys make the ultimate sacrifice at this time of the year in terms of athletics, as we know. Uh, so I think when you compound uh, the concern about the, the illness uh, with the fact that these guys haven't played much, and that you very likely could have guys maybe run the risk of being hurt a little bit more easily because they've been off skates for quite some time, even with a two-week training camp coming back. I think that you're you're really going to be carrying black aces with the sole intent of these guys actually stepping in at some point to play. And that's why I think the American Hockey League made the decision recently to cancel the Calder Cup playoffs. I mean, this is the, the one and only time from what I know that the Calder Cup is not being handed out. I think that David Andrews mentioned to us a couple of weeks ago, he said, look, he said there are going to be a number of AHL players that are going to be on standby with their NHL teams for obvious reasons, and I think that the NHL is going to come back and they're probably going to have some sort of a squad that totals in and around 30, and you are going to probably have to use plenty of these guys throughout the course of a two-month run if you should be a Stanley Cup champion to get there. So I think when you you have the question about illness and you combine that with a question about uh, injury that's popped up along the way, whether it be groin poles or things like that, uh, I think that there's definite concern for the players coming back. And that's not even guys talking about the guys who, who have individual illnesses that they have to deal with on a regular basis. I'm an asthmatic. I know that there are a lot of NHL players who are asthmatics. We saw what happened with Vaughn Miller, the Denver Broncos. We saw what happened with former National Hockey leaguer George Larac, each of whom are asthmatics. Uh, what about a guy with type 1 diabetes like Max Domi from the Canadians I mean uh, do these guys automatically sign up for this are they given special exemptions can they play when they want to play when they feel fit Uh, I'm not really sure there are still questions to be ironed out even with an eye towards perhaps tomorrow and next week and the week after in terms of what the playoff format's going to look like
1: yeah, Corey Conacher is another one of those guys who deals with uh, diabetes mm-hmm. um, with the lighting organization. So, yeah, a lot of interesting aspects. Again, there's so many logistics that have to be kind of worked out before we get to the final presentation, but at least we have sort of a framework. Uh, Scott, you mentioned having watched the Bundesliga games. Uh, I think I saw five or six different players came down with muscle issues over mm-hmm. the weekend in their first action back last week. But from a broadcasting standpoint, as you watch that game uh, or watched any of those games that were broadcast. What stood out to you with the lack of a crowd uh, in the stands?
0: Yeah, it was just the, 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 whole, the whole atmosphere of it. You know, I, I think just the whole atmosphere of it, Eric. And you know, and, and, and I've, been, I've been a guy that, you know, I've often said this on our show too. Look, about three weeks ago, I sheepishly threw out the question, do we need the pipe in crowd noise for TV broadcasts? And then, you know, when Joe Buck said what he said last week, and that made headlines as well. Uh, he kind of talked about the fact that maybe Fox, when the NFL comes back, would not only look and be looking at piping and crowd noise, but they might actually CGI fans into the stands. And I thought about it for a second, and I thought, you know what? This might work. This just might work. As silly as it sounds, as cheesy as it sounds right now, I know some will say, no, there's no way that's going to be pulled off. We know it's in an empty arena. I think you might be able to dress this up for a made-for-TV type production where we can actually get used to that being the case. And you know, I've been, I've, been, I've been citing the Bohemian Rhapsody film uh, with regards to creating an environment from the standpoint that, of course, Wembley Stadium, where they did Live Aid back in 85, Wembley Stadium, from what we used to know it, no longer exists. So how did they recreate the scene for the movie? Well, they had 100 people show up. 100 people showed up in a field. They multiplied that by 100, and all of a sudden it looked like 70,000 fans in what used to be Wembley Stadium, when in turn it was basically a green screen with about 100 people at a field. So things can be done to enhance it. Uh, I I almost would hope, you know, Eric, when you look at it now and as we look forward to the rest of the Bundesliga season, there are like eight match days left before they can call it a season. I would almost hope that they would even try it over there. I mean, what's wrong with trying to recreate something for television? We know the players that are going to be in the arena are going to be feeling something entirely different. At the very least, you'd like to have music between stoppages and play and things like that. I think you'd like to have a, a public address announcer that's in the arena to sort of make that feel normal. Uh, but I just felt that there was a vibe in the stadium that was missing. And when, when a team scored, it was it was like a scrimmage. It was like a practice. Now, how is that going to play out as far as NHL games are concerned with what is supposed to be the intensity of the Stanley Cup playoffs? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, look, Brett Hedekin, I asked him about it just over a month ago, and he won the Stanley Cup with the Canes back in 2006, and he's made some runs in his career when he used to play. And I said, what would that be like? And he said, well, as soon as somebody cross-checked you right off the, the, the face-off in the forearm, that would probably kind of get your attention, and that would get you engaged in the game. So the players might get used to it quicker than the fans might. And I'd be willing, I don't know about you guys, but I'd be willing to pipe in crowd noise. I'd be willing to try CGIing fans into the stands. Again, it might just fall flat. It could be a boom or a bust proposition, but I'd at least like to try it to try to recreate some sort of atmosphere and excitement for the fans at home.
1: Yeah, whatever yeah, they do, they can't. They can't use the same dolls that the Korean Soccer League used. Stay away from those. Oh, boy. (laughs) You went there. Sorry, Greg. I I just said dolls. That's all I said.
2: (laughs) You went there. Just don't go to the locker room afterwards. You know what I mean? Scott Lachlan joining us here on the Power Lunch. Scott, we'll find out once play resumes, but if you had to make an educated guess, which team was hurt by the pause the most? Everyone will be healthy, basically, once play resumes, but not every team was playing the same before the
0: pause, were they? Mm -hmm. So I would say, guys, probably when you got to the pause, uh, I would probably I would probably have wanted to be a team like the Boston Bruins. It's a veteran-laden crew, but for the most part, has been playing really well this season. Philadelphia had won nine in a row before they lost their final game going into the break, so they come back, and they've got to hit the reset button. I think the St. Louis Blues, the Defending Cup champions, were playing great hockey going into the break, and now they've got to hit the reset button as well. So it'll be real, real interesting, and I do really wonder about the veteran-laden teams like the Bruins. They were building and building and building towards something, and all of a sudden, the rug, through no fault of their own, got pulled out from under them. They were heading for the President's Trophy and the whole bit, and now you just wonder for a veteran-laden crew like that that's been so many times through these long playoff runs, you wonder if those guys are going to be able to step on the gas a little bit. Maybe a team like Tampa Bay, uh, even Toronto, even the Florida Panthers, who knows, maybe catches a little bit of lightning in a bottle and actually surpasses Boston uh, when it all comes to the end. So uh, I think there are teams that were playing really, really well, there's no question, uh, that didn't want to see the pause come at all. And now it's a matter of getting healthy, like most teams have done, as we've documented, and, and really being able to, to gear it up once again, which is going to be a challenge. Scott
1: Lachlan from Sirius XM NHL Radio joins us, catch him uh, weekday mornings with... Uh, on the Morning Skate Show with Gord Stelick. And, all right, Scott, I'm going to throw the scenario at you because you're in the center of all this. The Toronto Maple Leafs have been looking to avoid the Boston Bruins in a playoff series <laughs> going back to 2013. It looked like it was going to happen this year. They were on a collision to match Tampa Bay in a first round. And now I'm looking at these brackets, and it's Toronto-Columbus with the likelihood of that winner facing the Boston Bruins if the Toronto Maple Leafs could beat Columbus. How would that play out in Toronto? Uh,
0: I think they would be fearing the worst with Leafs Nation. Uh, (laughs) I used to be a card-carrying member uh, of that nation, Eric, up until probably 92 when I started out in this business, and then my allegiances all went by the wayside. So uh, I would feel their pain if they matched up with the Boston Bruins in the the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't think anybody in Toronto wants to go down that road again. I mean, I don't think that collectively – uh the Leafs fan base is a glutton for punishment I don't know that they want any part of the Bruins even given what I said about the Bruins being a veteran laden team you know that's perhaps been through all these wars before Uh, I don't think they want any part of the Boston Bruins and look Columbus is going to be a challenge too right I mean coming back and, and they're getting healthier and Seth Jones has been skating and we think he's good to go too and you know, I, I think if you had to, to, to put me on the spot right now to pick a winner between the Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets, I still might side with the Jackets in perhaps a five-game first-round series and may the best team win in that fifth game. Uh, I think Columbus, as, as Lightning fans, know full well going back to last spring. And I know Bobrovsky's not there. They got the two-headed monster in goal with Salo and with Elvis. Uh, but I would not want to face the Jackets in, in a five-game series because that's the type of heavy team that plays playoff hockey start to finish, and they have reaped the benefits of having a couple of months off here with which to get their players healthy.
1: Do you buy into that this could be the most competitive? Because You mentioned you know, in the early part of our conversation here that everybody's on the same playing field, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. gone through the pause the same way. Everybody's going to be relatively healthy for the most part. Do you buy into the fact that this is going to be potentially the most competitive playoff situation?
0: I think it might be just from the standpoint that the teams have had this time off to to get players healthy, for guys to rehab from surgeries. And you just think around the league, I think, Eric, in terms of all the stars that are coming back, Stamkos with Tampa, you've got, as I mentioned, Seth Jones with the Columbus Blue Jackets, Vladi Tarasenko uh, coming back for the St. Louis Blues. You look at a guy like Jake Gensel back and healthy for the Pittsburgh Penguins, too. So this is almost like starting uh, in early October, where everybody more or less is healthy And you're good to go. Uh, May the best team win. And this is where the depth of an organization is going to shine through. Um, And and I think that's where, again, some teams are hurt because they had built up some cachet with what they've done this season in terms of the standings. And some teams were just rolling and some teams were harder hit by the injury bug, as is always the case, than other teams. Uh, But now you're kind of starting from square one and everybody's equal and everybody's on the starting line. And you know, may the quickest team win, the fastest team win, may the best team win. Really, there would be no excuses when, once we get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, that's why I said earlier, I, I don't think when when I look back on this season 20 years from now, I'm going to say, you know what, 2020 asterisk. You know, that was that was different. That, that really shouldn't have counted. No, everybody knows going in what we're up against here. We know what the playoff format's going to look like. You know how many games you're going to have to win to become a Stanley Cup champion. You know that everybody's kind of starting, you know, from the same starting block. And and may the best team win. I think it's going to be phenomenal to watch, and I think we're going to see some really, really competitive hockey, especially in the opening round in those best of five affairs that I think we're looking forward to. Uh, And then, of course, from that point forward, where guys start to go down for reasons that we documented, I think it more or less becomes a battle of attrition.
2: Scott Lachlan joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I wanted to ask you, are we looking at August, September to get the season in? And what does that mean for next year? Would you short next year or do you try and get a full 82-game schedule played regardless?
0: Well, it seems like, Greg, that they've really, really been committed to 82 games next season. Now, initially I was a little reticent towards this. And and what I, what I initially pictured was that they would finish the season. And even if you finish the season, let's say in late August and you hand out the Stanley Cup, Well, then you give the guys three, four weeks off. You get your free agency done. You could cram the draft in there if you had to at that point as well. And then you drop the puck as per usual in early October and go from there. I thought if you wanted to start it later, perhaps you'd want to cut back the season from 82 to 70 games or or that sort of thing. They have said from the outset, though, from Bill Daly onwards, uh, that they want to get the full 82 games in next season. They feel like they can do it starting on December 1st because they can blow away bye weeks they can blow away the all-star weekend, uh, which, by the way, of course, was coming up in South Florida for next season, which I'm pretty disappointed in that they're going to have to do that. Uh, They can go away from having one- and two-game nights during the course of a, a week in the NHL, and you could have five or six games guaranteed each and every night to get the full 82 games in. The more I think about it, though, because of the uncertainty of having fans in the building, the later that you start next season might actually work out well for the NHL. That is, instead of starting in early October as you normally do, if you start in early December, maybe, hopefully, guys, uh, and I'm saying this from, from from hope only, hopefully we're further ahead of this thing right now with a handle on it. Uh, dare we say a vaccine, if, if, if those are interested in taking it, can actually go out and get it and, and curtail things from that standpoint too. So I think by starting in December, I think that would give the NHL and pretty much every other sport a better a better launch pad towards getting fans back in the building, because if it doesn't happen in December, hopefully it happens by January or February or March uh, next year in 2021, because we know what fans mean to the whole atmosphere uh, and to the whole passion of sports and the excitement level of sports being in the arena itself. So I think that that's one component that the NHL clearly has thought of. If you hand the cup out in late August, even to the middle of September, take a few months off, Get back at it in December. You'll play the full two, and by that point, hopefully, we'll start to see fans trickle back into the buildings.
1: Hey, Scotty, last question for me. Uh, from a programming standpoint, you guys have remained on the air and filled a couple of hours per day, which has to be a bit of a challenge. I know you've gone through some labor situations uh, that has cost the league some time. Any ch- different challenge this time around because of this circumstances compared to labor situations in terms of just coming up with good programming on a regular basis?
0: Yeah, it is. It is a challenge. There's no question about it. This has been a little bit more challenging because, you know, we, we had with work stoppages a, a real certain point as to when we thought we might be coming back. And, you know, sometimes the news wasn't good news. A lot of times it wasn't good news when it came to the labor negotiations. And you said, well, we could be out for weeks. Heck, we could be out for months. But you kind of knew that after a couple of months, eventually we get back at it. I guess the challenge now, guys, is the fact that the uncertainty of this virus and all it's caused and, you know, just what kind of a handle we've really got on it has added a whole bunch of question marks to the equation, too. So I think that, you know, the playoff format is likely going to be what we thought had come out last night. And again, the coming days, perhaps the weekend or next week, will tell the tale there. Uh, But I think at least it gives us something to look forward to. It gives us a bit of a starting point where things become a little bit clearer as to when we can expect it to return. So that uncertainty that maybe we had a month ago or two months ago maybe is starting to come into clarity a little bit more into vision. And I think that's made for a whole lot of excitement for a lot of people involved. But yeah, it it has been uh, rather challenging. Uh, The great thing, though, about covering hockey and covering sports in general, guys, as we've known, there are always stories to be told, right? And even though there's not action on the ice, hockey's the the, the water cooler type thing that, that will never stop giving. If you dig deep enough into a story, uh, you can get deep into a story, and from that standpoint, it's never going to end.
2: All right, there he goes. <sighs> Scott Lachlan, who joined us yesterday. We had uh, pretty good uh, back-to-back national guests, theory on the show, and that's something that... Um, I know you and I, we always get excited to um, talk to, you know, anybody, really, that's knowledgeable about hockey, but those two guys back-to-back, that was a pretty good get. Glad we were able to um, bring that to our audience, and I hope they appreciate the, the local and national perspectives that we get because i tell you what some of the the national perspectives particularly in canada as i said before i think they're a little more cautious than maybe we are here in the states in terms of opening this thing up and i thought we got a pretty good perspective of that the last uh, couple of guests here
1: yeah for sure especially eric right like he's you know he he, uh, he's Like Pierre Lebron has kind of been this way too, even though he's been reporting one way, he's always felt all along that there was always a chance the league could cancel the the season altogether. And uh, you know, Eric kind of feels that way as well. That's not going to be the case, obviously. I think there are ways to get this done safely now. Um, Certainly, a lot more. Uh, chance of that than, you know, even just four or five weeks ago when we were still right in the middle of this thing and have to uh, a bit of a better understanding of where things are. Uh, we're going to have hockey. Uh, it might be a great way to come in from the heat, depending on where it's at. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll be a good chance for players to kind of get back out on the ice and complete something. Look, it, Alex Kalorn talked to the local media yesterday, and basically he said, you know, it, not everything's going to be fair, as we've mentioned on this show many times. But they understand there's going to be a format for them to get back to play. And when you have a team like the Lightning who has a legitimate, really good chance with the team they have, the roster they have, the additions that Julian Breezeball made, they just want to get back and play.
2: Could agree more. And as we said, we're going to find out, I think, within the next week or two, a little bit more when it comes to when the league will resume play, what it's going to look like. And I'm sure we'll get some player reaction from it as well, which I think a lot of people are interested in in hearing. So... Uh, should be a big couple of weeks. We'll be right there with you here on Power Lunch. That's going to wrap up another week for us talking about the NHL and so many other things. And uh, be safe this Memorial Day weekend. And I think it's uh, prudent upon us to let people know that, you know, look, have a good time, but also understand what Memorial Day is about. And it's, yeah. it's honoring those who paid the ultimate price uh, for our freedom. And uh, we remember that. And uh, that's the point of Memorial Day. Again, have fun as much as you can with family. Be safe. Enjoy safe. yourself. But also also understand why we have it. I think some people take it for granted, uh, the huge sacrifice our um, military uh, gave for us to be able to talk hockey on a yeah. continuous basis.
1: And to pull out our grills and cook some ribs yeah. over the weekend or whatever it might be. There's, There's a reason for it. It so is. Fair, but very it, good reminder, Greg. Yeah, um, we
2: sometimes we have to do that. And yeah. um, speaking of reminder, we'll be uh, on the airwaves tomorrow at 7 o'clock on Lightning Power Play. E, you'll join me for the intermission reports. We'll be doing game, what is it? Two. Two against the Devils. 2018, round one against the Devils. And uh, we'll also be on the airwaves on Sunday at 7 o'clock. Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito will be part of that pregame. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Always good to catch up with the guys. And. Get their thought on that series and um, just be safe out there, ready.
1: Right? Yep. And as a reminder, with Memorial Day, there will be no Power Lunch on Monday. Yep. But on Tuesday, we are scheduled to be joined by the great Linda Cohn Ooh, from ESPN. That'll big hockey fan. Yes. Um, has never uh, hid her feelings for the New York Rangers. Uh, so she's a big hockey fan. So she's scheduled. She's agreed to join us uh, hopefully on Tuesday. So that should be a lot of fun to have uh, Linda Linda on the show with us.
2: Nice job by you, getting that. Uh, Steve, happy um, weekend, and I hope you and yours have a nice Memorial Day weekend, and also, too, for all our listeners out there, be safe, enjoy it, understand why we have um, Memorial Day, but enjoy it if you can, and uh, E, I'll be with you, buddy, on Saturday, and then back doing Power Lunch noon on Tuesday.
1: Sounds good. Be safe, everybody. Have a great weekend. Uh, Do the responsible thing. Whether that's uh, you stay away from each other or just being safe while you're out there. But uh, either way, enjoy the weekend and remember the reason why we have it.
2: It is Power Lunch right here on Letting Power Play.